0: Welcome back to another episode of Mind Games with Garen Emig. That's me, uh, columnist, podcaster for Sellout Crowd, our network of, uh, of talented writers and broadcasters. Kicking off another show. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. First of all, don't take that for granted. Love having you along for the ride. We, uh, we do this every week and uh, we, we try to do because of the name of the show, a little thinking with our guests. We got inside the mind of Joe Castiglione last week. We go from one athletic director involved in a pretty big football game Saturday to the other. Rick Dixon is my guest this week. He's the AD at the University of Tulsa um, and has has some thoughts, I would imagine, on another name familiar to OU fans, Kevin Wilson, his new football coach. He's got the hurricane sort of reshaping their program mm-hmm. and off to a one-on-one start. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, – Rick's own career at TU and his two stints as athletic director, some of the challenges that he faces at a place like the University of Tulsa. But first, first things first, most important of all, and I know you're going to be aces on this, man. Mm-hmm. You guys had a concert a month ago at this, at Chapman Stadium, right? We did. Motley Crue, Alice Cooper, and Def Leppard played uh, Chapman. You've got to tell me some kind of backstage story <laughs> about from that experience.
1: Well... That actually, that's a good segue backstage because, because we literally were backstage for the entire week, uh, because those that have been out here, Garen, like yourself, know. I mean, literally literally for a week, you know, uh, an army of about a thousand had, uh, encamped, uh, on us right yeah. on our operation and so forth. So we really, we really got to see things, you know, from day one. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd forgotten having not been that close. To that kind of a mega concert since uh, my old days at T.U. when I, uh, as a young thirty-something-year-old ad, thought having new kids on the block was a was a really uh, enlightening idea, and so I hadn't seen that kind of operation. And it's changed, I can tell you, over thirty years. But to to watch the entire operation unfold over a week and to you know the monstrosity of a stage that they built that went from the goal line to the thirty-yard line, those kind of things, (laughs) you know, these are these are mega events, but yeah, uh, yeah it was uh, it was quite enlightening. I was getting calls by the minute, you know, from our teams trying to navigate around saying they won't let us into our gym or they can't get back into our locker room and those kind of things. So I had, <laughs> had to uh, do yeah. some navigating and negotiating through it. But everybody uh, everybody chipped in. It was a great, really a great thing for uh, TU and a great thing for the community. So uh, we all did our part. No after party. You know, if I'm certain, well, I I, it's interesting you ask that because that group's (laughs) here we go, here we go, here. That group was old when I was young. (laughs) Those groups, (laughs) so so no, I didn't even see the last act, so I doubt that that, any of that crew uh, had a major after party. I think those are in the
0: rearview mirror. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna, we're gonna get something to come out before we're done. (laughs) Something's got to come out. You got Sean King, dude. You should be a. You should be a concert promoter in your next life. You've got Sean Kingston playing Saturday, right? At your tailgate yeah. before the OU game. Yes, it'll be great. we got, uh got uh,
1: Tailgating Village opens at 1030. Yeah. And uh, I think Sean will come on at about uh, 12. Uh, so it's going to be fun. In fact, I was saying, giving a report to our board of trustees yesterday. And just in recapping kind of everything up until this point. Yeah. Pointed, uh, you know, from the last year and then where things are today and 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 mm-hmm. kind of the crescendo of of kind of momentum, energy, things that have been happening for a couple of years. And I said, well, we'll likely have uh, the biggest, you know, pregame activity fest uh, crowds, um, maybe in, in our in our at least modern history I wow. would think, on Saturday. So it's going to be fun. You know, that's, that's great. That was the whole intent, sure, uh, Garen, When we get really got, you know, back here and realized uh, somewhere along the way we kind of lost, lost uh, sight of that maybe of of being a catalyst in the community and mm-hmm. and creating energy and knowing that you know we got a great great audience in this community of Tulsa. Uh, one of the one of the facts for a whole different purpose I was sharing with our board yesterday. This was about the impact of college football, and and we had partnered with the Nielsen company to get a study done on the last two years of our football basketball ratings and the impact and media value, and um, you know a, a, a game like this this weekend that's on you know over uh, a linear uh, what mm-hmm. ESPN two I guess you know will probably be somewhere in the sixteen to twenty million worth of media value for the for the university, for the city, those kind of things. And that's the impact, uh, you know, financially that college football has today and can have around the country. And so to kind of be the facilitator and and catalyst for doing that, that's an important thing for us, you know, for both our, our TU community and Tulsa.
0: Rick, you came back to your alma mater three years ago. I want to make sure I think I got that right. Yeah, you think I, got that. Point, I think. Yeah. You were you were here in the early nineties, ninety to ninety-four.
1: Yeah, I really came in uh Garrett as a associate AD in the summer of eighty-eight. Yeah. By the spring of eighty-nine, so less than nine months had become interim AD. And and then I think eight, six, eight, nine months later, after they took off the interim tag. And then left uh, late spring of '94, really right after our first Sweet 16 with uh, mm-hmm. W. Smith. Yeah,
0: you. I'm I'm going to guess here, and you would correct me if I'm wrong, that the biggest difference between then and now, and you <clears throat> you were touching on it just a second ago about the importance of exposure, mm-hmm. and pumping some life back into you know game day mm-hmm. over there at, at Chapman. It, that's always been a challenge. I'm not saying it wasn't. You know, your first tour of duty, right? But I assume because of the the the, the chase for revenue and brand—that's the that's right. those, those are the words, the buzzwords in your profession. I would assume that that is such a harder deal for you now because you just Joe C can you know he's he's got a built-in situation in Norman, obviously Chad Weiberg down the road in Stillwater at OSU doesn't have to worry quite as much about that. You do, and is that the biggest difference between now and then for you? Uh or was that always, oh, yeah, always-
1: I'd say actually very similar. I can recall early on, you know, 89, 90 uh, knowing when I first took over, we had it, we had to energize and lift up okay, the base. And we went on a campaign to have uh, to have our, uh, you know, our, our season ticket drive and things like that. And we had a phenomenal tur- turnout that first year. And, you know, those were the days too, when TU had, you know, Skelly Stadium was 40,000 capacity. Mm -hmm. And by 91, and part of it was those efforts, part of it was scheduling that year. We had Oklahoma State, we had Texas A&M, we had Miami, all in Skelly Stadium uh, that year. And and then ended up averaging just under, I think, 33,000 at that time. And, And that's when we started doing some things, you know, there, I think we actually did, we call them block parties where we used to block off 11th Street and had stages at both ends of 11th between Delaware and Harvard and, and kind of first started, uh, you know, trying to create atmosphere and energy uh, around and just, you know, the whole idea from my standpoint was just the connecting of TU and Tulsa. I mean, and, you know, one of the facts that I shared with our board, I didn't finish up on the Nielsen part of it was. Uh, they, uh, 49% of in the, the, the greater area, greater Metro area of Tulsa. The 1.1, 49%, just over about 540,000 identify as a college football fan. That's ninth in the country. 15% of them identify as a TU football fan. Mm. What does that mean to identify means they've either bought a ticket, viewership, watched games uh, you know, uh, talk about it online, things like that. But that's, and that, I think that figure was like 158,000 that, that identify as a, as a TU football fan. Yeah. And so that tells me kind of what I think I'd known instinctively, you know, throughout growing up here, living here, going to school, playing here was that there's a, there's an appetite in an audience. It's just not traditional, mm-hmm. not alums. They're not students. Uh, most of them don't work here. Uh, yeah. th- those things that's a minuscule part of it, but there are people that appreciate the history, the product, and if you can if you can make it appealing and enjoyable and affordable, uh, you know I've always believed they'll come mm-hmm.
0: Well, the job to make the uh, product on the field appealing mm-hmm. is now Kevin Wilson's two games mm-hmm. into his tenure as your head football coach, Rick, uh, you you and I had a really long and, and very candid conversation about him recently. I've got a story, a column about Kevin up on selloutcrowd.com, guarantee.com if you want to try to spell it, uh, that I think those who like either OU or, or, or T, you should read. It's it's really interesting. Kevin's answers to my questions at the press conference Tuesday, more detailed and, and introspective than, than I anticipated, to be honest. Rick, you, you hired a guy that point blank, a lot of athletic directors might not have because of the way that his tenure at Indiana finished seven years ago. Why, why was he your guy? Why was he the right guy for this job?
1: You know, I thought, uh, so, I mean, r- record aside, if you look, if you look, you know, if you, if you look at, at, even their own history, and as, as you know, and most know, I've been at some challenging places myself mm-hmm. and, you know, yet, a, a a place, a program, obviously in, uh, uh, an iconic, uh, and reputable university. And, uh, but, but from the product side, Indiana football had, had not been operated at a high level in the big 10, uh, those things, but for whatever reasons, never had the level of success, uh, that of other programs that, that he'd been part of and around, you know, their peers in the big 10. But so really, uh, Garen, I, have always been you know one that that measures things more by how you move the needle mm-hmm. you know from from your time of uh sitting in a seat to your time of leaving it how you move the needle and and so in that regard you know he he had certainly done that maybe some of the stylistic part of those things uh one of a first-time head coach uh two of maybe a place that wasn't accustomed to that style and the hard charging of, you know, yeah. not only are we going to succeed? We're going to do it now. Uh, might've been the wrong, uh, you know, the, the wrong approach or, or one that they, that they weren't ready for. Uh, the, the other things that were, you know, were rumored or reported, we, we did as deep a dive as I've ever done, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and came away, uh, in large part because of the kind of consistent from very disconnected uh, people, you know, some that were his competitors, some that had uh, coached against him, some that had been, you know, uh, in some level of responsibility over him and things like that. And so uh, there was not anything that came back to me that alarmed me that substantiated uh, those things other than maybe the stylistic and those weren't, those weren't so much, uh, centered around managing athletes, but maybe interacting with others, whether it was staff and people like that. And, and I didn't have any of those after meeting him, several rounds of interviews, you know, as we were going through the process and then face to face and then having our own candid conversations just, you know, came to a place that, okay, here's someone, that has pedigree, has you know the experience, has a lot of the skill sets, a lot of the things, even broader that I was looking for. Of you know knew knew this region, knew uh, and appreciated what a University of Tulsa was in the mm-hmm. football landscape, had a uh, you know history sense of what the recruiting plan, uh, you know connected to to successful eras here should be in this case had, you know, deep ties to it throughout here in Texas, uh, those type of things. And, and also some of the things that our program needed from emphasis on academics and discipline and so forth. So that's kind of was the, you know, kind of the, the process and, and, and timeline of how th- that occurred.
0: And for the record so far, so good was your sentiment with with me during that conversation. I mm-hmm. I told you this, Rick, I knew you were getting a really good football coach. I've I covered Kevin yeah. since he first got to OU uh, in 20, gosh, 20, crazy to think, 21 years ago. Um, my first encounter with him was about a returning freshman All-American center. <laughs> he told me he was a backup because he hadn't quite bought into practice. So right away, I knew what, what OU was getting and what I was getting. From a you know, hardcore football guy, I get it. What you have to be comfortable with, though, is communication. And, and when I asked right. Kevin Tuesday what he had learned, or no, it wasn't, I, I take that back. I said, "What? how are you different or better from your first head coaching experience at Indiana? And the first thing he said was communication. That, to from your standpoint, has been positive to this point. Extremely. It, it
1: really has, Garrett. I've... I've you know, 30, whatever it's been two 32, 33 years of doing this. And yeah. And everyone from my teammate, Dave Raider, you know, to others that I've worked with all good people, right? Kevin, honestly, and, in, in from December, you know, till we sit here today, seven months, whatever that's been has been as just low maintenance as anybody I ever, I ever worked with. And, uh, you know, we, we've agreed to agree early on. Look, if you know, it's a new start, Uh, A new place, right? Not, not just a a, a redux of other places you've been. We've got to do things differently here. We're a smaller fishbowl, you know. If you do something here at nine o'clock, it'll be on the president's desk by ten thirty. That's the way it works here. So understanding the environment he was coming into, and I said, if there's something that's, I said, look, I got a pretty busy plate to keep this thing running, and I'm all over the place in the city. Uh, but if you need something, text me, call me yeah, right. and, and we'll figure out how to go forward. And he's been, he's been excellent about operating that way. And I think he's, I think he appreciates the fact that I'm available and if I can fix something or, or, you know, taste you, you know what, that that's a two on our scale today. Don't worry about it. Just get past it. He's, you know, he's operated that way and it's, I think it's gone great. I've been very pleased, uh, overall and pleased for him too. Uh, You know, we both know, uh, like you said earlier, not everybody would have given a second chance. You know, a lot of I've I've learned that over time is that sometimes you have to look, look beyond things and see circumstances and evaluate that. So I, I don't there's there's nothing there. I'm 30 something years of doing this pride myself above all, Garen, about being a student athlete, AD. Kids know me everywhere I've been, even even here today. Know me my, by my first name. Call me by my first name. A few other names, but mostly by my first one. <laughs> and uh, and I I take pride in that because that's that's always been my motivation, passion of doing this. Is I want to be there uh, for them to help shepherd them from this opportunity start to conclusion. I always at our graduation days we do a reception, and I tell the families this is my national championship day when they're here in that point, And you're here celebrating today. We've all, that's the greatest victory because I, I know firsthand what that allows them to do the rest of their lives. So, yeah. so I've always been that person. And, and I tell our kids this, I want you to be challenged. I won't allow for you to be diminished, yeah. disrespected, uh, you know, or treated in a way now challenged is a different thing. And so, that's 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 fitting into that. Yeah, sure. Outlook pretty nicely.
0: Yep. It's been a really cool week on the Wilson front because of all the stories about his old days with Brent Venables, the guy he's going to be coaching yeah. against Saturday. Some of the I, I thought I'd heard everything. I hadn't, <clears throat> as it turns out. I loved some, some of the stuff about watching Little League games. All the coaches had the same age boys, <laughs> just getting away from the job, watching Little League. The, the Kevin telling the story about whether he or Mike Stoops would yell louder. <laughs> in the football complex, as to who got dibs on it getting the most
1: competition, I'm sure.
0: Oh my lord! I, again, I've heard some stories. I, I I thought Kevin had ducked out of out of the Mike Stoops volume, but but perhaps <laughs> perhaps that was just impossible. Hey, you and I, um, what's cool about talking to you is that you're you're not afraid to to be candid about just everything, whether it's a, a football coach or. A, uh, you know, a, a, something that needs to be generated around TU athletics or challenges, whether financial, academic, or whatnot. You, maybe, <laughs> maybe the most, the first encounter we had where we really got into some, you know, some mechanisms two years ago when the world was going crazy. Oh, you and Texas were going to the Big 12, the Big 12 counter by taking teams out of your conference, the American. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, you were signing on from interim AD to an extension, I think, around the same mm-hmm. time. And, Rick, you were the first one of if not the first administrator who mentioned the prospect of you know where this is headed, don't you n f l light that eventually it's going to be sort of a consolidation as much as a realignment when it comes to this stuff what 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 led you to that conclusion then, and have you changed your opinion since
1: i i mean there's always you know there's there's always. You know variables or unknown factors that along the way come up and maybe change thinking I, th- I think we're we're maybe it's hard to say this i was actually giving a report to our board yesterday on this and i says i've got to you know i've got to kind of preface this by saying you know things seem to be calm saying that in this in this day and time is pretty crazy be, right be careful yeah because there's you know there's some thought out there that with, with just the, uh, instability signals coming out of the ACC that that may be, you know, the next pac 12 implosion, who knows, you know, that schools outwardly sending out signals that say, we don't like being bound down. We think, we think we're behind. It's really Karen is re- and It's, it's, it's so distasteful for me in a way is that, mm-hmm. uh, it's solely, I mean, the competition that you know, has trumped everything now is it's really about that late June, early July announcements. You see them in about a 10 day period, Mm -hmm. just something that struck me 20 something years ago, like, gee, I wonder why we're publicizing that every conference would come out within about a seven day period and announce what their earnings were, what their distributions were for that year. So it took on this competition. Every, you know, right around the first week of July, the end of the fiscal years of, oh, our schools, our schools are getting 20 million or our schools are getting 50 or now 70. And all of a sudden that, that competition is really what's been the impetus, to, yeah. you know, of, of all this instability. And, and here's the disappointing thing that just disregard for what's made college athletics so great in my, just my mm-hmm. estimation and opinion. And, and I think, and I tell a lot of my protégés out there, there's quite a few saying, especially before I got back in and was consulting and helping them saying, you know, you're playing a pretty risky game because some of these, one is you never know, you know, that, that media rights arc will always stay on an ascent. There's, there's the probability things flatten or even possibly tank a little bit. And if you're used to operating on, a certain tank of gas and it changes, you better know how to adapt and uh, you know the, so there's that part of it and the other things that they that we've tossed to the side, which is yeah. history and regionality and rivalries and and those things that you know built really the the unique following mm-hmm. popularity. And we just transitioned to a business model only. So now that's the, that's the one competition that drives everything. Mm -hmm. So back to your question. So, so I've said that because once you start seeing them park all those things that I thought built equity in college athletics that we just mentioned, Mm -hmm. parked them to the curb and said, it's only about money. Well, the, the easiest way to pursue that was to keep going migrating towards bigger entities, bigger platforms, bigger conferences, greater dollars. Okay. Well, that's, that's about plateaued is I don't, I don't think those major conferences will take 25 or 30 members each. They're getting to that capacity, right? Right. Well, the only way yep. to make, make that next jump and transition is to then whether it's, you know, a uh, 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 votes in the boardroom or whatever they self-identify as were the biggest brands, and meaning others they're with now will get left behind just like schools have along the way, and conferences have, and those that number now maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's a number of fifty, maybe you know, but it seems with the precedents out there like NFL, NBA, that something in the thirties will be a marketable. Uh, product and property yeah. to, to go get the biggest dollar in the market. Yeah. And, and so that it seems like everything has, has, has led and pointed towards that. Now they're kind of at that last station and it may seem, it may stay somewhat stable for three, five years, but mm-hmm. the point where that early July, you know, uh, declaration of here's how much we distributed will force people to say, well we gotta have more, and the only thing left to do is go out in the marketplace yep. with yep. the biggest brand, so could be totally off base, but it's just somebody that's been living it for thirty years sure seems like that's what's lining up,
0: yep, and then that leads me to a quick follow up. How much do you worry about Tu's place in the in that structure? you know i um, or or are you already there, and you just—that's just again the day-to-day life of.
1: Yeah, of it's, you, you right always, you're always—you're always going to be affected. And think of it, uh, Garen, Because what was it, ninety-two or three, when the very first kind of tremors and and yeah. happened with Arkansas? You know, that was at least in my, you know, in my career. So over thirty years now, there's always been some, you know, some sense of it. Uh, never like what we've seen the last half dozen years in in terms of the volume of it. Uh, Yeah. That part of it, I think is always going to compete. Will we be a super brand? Uh, Maybe not. Yeah. You know, maybe not. I mean, I think we are, we've done that as a university, whether, whether we're allowed to have the capability to, or the resources to do that, uh, that, that will play itself out. We'll always have a place in it. You know, is that I look at just the last 30 years of mm-hmm. what this smallest place competing has done in a variety of its sports and even flagship sports. And it's mm-hmm. pretty hard. even coming back, you know, I would jokingly say this as I've got back to my Tulsa and my, my friends from other tribes, my OU, OSU friends in Arkansas. And I just say, gosh, does it bother you guys at all that? That not only your schools but your entire leagues haven't had a first round draft choice the last two years, and and this little place has, you know those kind of
0: things. So just just a little needle here and there. Oh, for sure, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. You have every right. Um, I, I talked to you for another hour if I could, man, but I know you've got more important things than than mind games to get to. So a couple of questions, real quick, exit questions. Have a little fun. We'll let you move on about your day. Bet. Strangest coach shirt story in your career. Say that again. The strangest coach search story that you've encountered in oh, your gosh. time as an athletic director here at Washington State, Tulane, or here the first time.
1: Uh, there's been a few, for <laughs> sure. There's here's a, a, a great one, I say this very respectfully, okay, because uh, was fond of him, and so some some period ago, it would, it would have been the period that Mike Leach uh, uh, was out from the Texas Tech and uh, connected with him, had somebody reach out on his behalf. I remember flying from Greenville, uh, uh, North Carolina, East, Car- East Carolina University after a Saturday game, mm-hmm. uh, which is a hard place to find and get to, to another hard place to get to, which is Key West, Florida, and connected with uh, with with uh, Mike Leach and uh, talked to him two or three times beforehand. And then got down there and let him know I was checked in. Hey, do you want to come over, uh, have a visit here? We'll sit out on the patio. And, and so I, I go outside and i uh, looking around and the, uh, the, uh, attendance, uh, for the hotel where I was staying at, uh, I, they, I see him waving in there, you know, uh, talking to somebody, riding up on a bicycle, a little stingray bicycle. And the guy's, <laughs> the, the, the young men that were the, uh, uh, parking lot attendants, were saying, Oh, you know, Hola Miguel, nice to see you. And so forth. And I look up and it's Mike Leach riding up to interview with me in shorts, flip-flops and a, and a riding a stingray bicycle.
0: Miguel, (laughs) Miguel Leach, apparently.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) So we visit that night. We have a great visit. Next morning I go, he said, Hey, come over. Uh, he said, I'm doing a little podcast uh and uh, visit uh, in his villa down there some more before I flew out and went he said come on in uh, backyard he said I'll let you sit in on this and so forth so the the program i think it was a serious radio program was called sports for dorks <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was my interaction with Mike leach was oh later. man okay, here we go i said you know You'll fit in New Orleans, Louisiana, pretty dang well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's I, I wish I'd heard that before I named my show, Rick, that that I would have ripped that name off for what we're doing, well, for what I do. Not what you do. You're you're no dork, but but I qualify. So a <laughs> little late to that party, I'm afraid. That's just again, just when you think you've heard every Mike Leach story. Uh, you you haven't. You never you never will. You never will. You, never um, will. you played it to you from 72 to 76. Once upon it's, a time. Mm hmm. True or false, you're the one that talked Drew Pearson into switching from quarterback to receiver.
1: <laughs> no. No, because I wouldn't have done that because because that wouldn't have been
0: in my best interest, right, being a defensive back.
1: <laughs> <been doing>
0: <laughs> but that here's, a, here's a funny story, though, right? Someone, someone had the idea. Someone did, true. but,
1: uh, you know, I was I was a, a lowly freshman, uh, Drew's senior year, and he was one of our captains, along with uh, another uh guy that I've looked up to uh, uh, Ray Rhodes. Uh, those two guys were receivers for us at the time. And, and uh, I can remember that first training camp, lining up, you know, and covering guys one on one and thing. Up, and I knew about Drew and Ray Rhodes. And, you know, both NFL guys, obviously drew a Hall of Famer, Ray went on to become a two time NFL head yeah. coach. At, yeah, right. Uh, and others, you know, we had many others as well. And, I'm, you know, it I think I just turned 18 right before camp and I'm figuring this out. I'm thinking, man, after the first couple of days, like I don't want to be like even number three or number five, because that puts me with with against head up against Drew or head up against Ray Rhodes or, uh, you know, this person or that person. I said, let me just let me uh, let me place myself in line where I line up against my roommate. I can handle (laughs) that. Well, that, that was the best of them all, Steve Largent. So,
0: oh my, there, there's there it is. There's the hammer right there. <laughs> so
1: that just tells you my even early on my uh, my calculating <laughs> skills weren't what they should have been.
0: Oh, you're <laughs> you've done better as an AD. I'll just i give you that compliment. Yeah, that's my okay. Last one. You were a Bishop Kelly Comet before you became a, a Golden Hurricane. AHS. Bring, we'll bring it back to where, where we started the show. You got OU on the schedule this weekend. There's a legend that just about anyone who grows up and wants to play college football in this state, even if they won't admit it, wants to wear the crimson and cream. Will you admit that to me now, or were you always going to be TU Blue?
1: You know, it's hard. Listen, as old as I'm getting, it's hard to think about what I may have been thinking that long ago. Uh, I actually... Uh, did a recruiting trip uh, in the 71. In fact, my recruiting trip was that game of the century. That was your recruiting trip. It was my recruiting trip. Oh, my goodness. And uh, uh, also got one to uh, Notre Dame uh, because a lot of it because of the Tulsa, particularly c- Catholic connection with okay. Notre Dame. So maybe, you know, being one of the better okay. City of Tulsa kids at a Catholic high school, got a trip, a, a, gentleman came through Kevin O'Grady, I believe was the, the recruiter, former defensive lineman from Notre Dame. And mm-hmm. maybe it was Kevin Grady or o- if he was Irish, he probably had to be O'Grady. Right. So, and I, I had to happen to have a particular good game the night he came through, I think he was scouting somebody else. I got a trip out of those two places, but not an offer from either one. But, uh, I, you know, a lot for me was, uh, the opportunity to maybe you know have an opportunity to play two sports, which you know Tulsa was that one opportunity. My family, my roots, everybody around me, uh, nuclear family and extended family, are all Oklahoma State alums. My dad played basketball there, met my mom there, uh, all brothers and sisters went there, uh, but you know, just lukewarm attention from then in those days. Okay. so TU, TU stood out.
0: Yeah. It's worked out pretty well for you. It worked out pretty well. Yes. We're going to call this episode of Mind Games, uh, Rick Dixon in the Eye of the Hurricane. He's taken us there and we are fortunate for that. Thank you so much for your time. So good to speak with you, catch up with you. Um, We'll do it again down the road at some point, I promise. We'll do another Mind Game soon on the Sellout Crowd Network. In the meantime, like and subscribe, all that stuff on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. For Jacqueline Musgrove, the producer, Michael Lane, the creative director, this has been Garen Emig wishing you a great day and enjoy the OUTU game this weekend.